Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Transfer show returns on the Blue Room after a week's break. Uh, a lot going on all over the place last week, so we didn't manage to record the show then. But we're back now. Um, Rob Vera is with me, as people who are watching this on YouTube can see. He is immaculately dressed for the occasion. Yes, immaculate. The, the bar for immaculate is now wearing a shirt that has a collar on it. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and honestly, I'm having to do more, uh, more work, work web meetings. And so what you do is you, you, you wear a shirt, a collared shirt to look like you really take it seriously, even though, you know, you're probably wearing shorts or sweatpants, uh, out of camera sight. Uh, but no, today I've actually got a belt on, I've got a jeans on. I don't know what, what possessed me. I just got up with a lot of energy this morning and was like I'm gonna I'm gonna be a functioning adult today and and dress the part and see if it helps me feel a little more engaged into work and it's it's uh it's working so far ah oh, it's lovely to hear uh, Les Roberts joins me as well uh, me and Les are going for the similar sort of scraggly beard lockdown look um how are you doing yeah, Les just, you all right <laughs> all right yeah it's like looking like I've just fallen out of bed I haven't really I have been up all day yeah I, I, love the way, I love the way, like, just getting dressed has now become a massive thing. Hmm. It was, yeah, it was basically hard. just a standard thing of every day, wasn't it? You get up and you get dressed properly. Now, you just, I just look what's on the floor, but I don't put that back on. As long yeah. as it doesn't snap, you know, obviously. Yeah. I I'm think no usually, usually when you're, like, out and about and doing stuff, you have, like, a, a cycle of putting things in the wash, and then it, it's sort of like it's sort of like a natural cycle, whereas, like, because not really doing much or going out or wearing different clothes it just seems to be wearing the same three or four mm-hmm. things over and over again that get put on top of the pile washed put on top of the pile washed wow matt that sounds like a metaphor for uh what people 
want in terms of Everton's, you know, bringing back Everton <laughs> players. So, I think that's yeah, it. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if you're trying you try, to do a segue, segue, but it worked. To I thought you were too. trying to segue. I thought I was like, that's either genius or it's like the least subtle thing ever. But I, I really liked it. I really liked no. it. You know, I love a good, you know, I love a good analogy or metaphor. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a, it, whether it was mental or not, that was a great setup and finish. Yeah. Well, we I couldn't, I couldn't well, quite get it out of my mouth, but yes. <laughs> I've, just, I've just realized, obviously, Kickabout's just got onto the free feed. Everyone's been listening to it now. And, and Les is the, the mailbag host. I just realized it's the two, the two other hosts on the Blue Room joining me. Are you trying to oust oh. me? Are you trying to, is this, is this a coup? <laughs> look, Matt, Matt, look, I don't know, about, I don't know how Les feels, but, you know, Matt is essentially the Vladimir Putin of this thing. And any of us who would. <laughs> And I, I am a, I am fiercely loyal to our dear leader. And, uh, uh, I don't know what he's talking about, but uh, I think, I think Matt, Matt looks athletic and snappy and handsome today. So I'm yeah, I, uh, yeah. Welcome to the North Korea I, room. <laughs> I, I, I welcome my Bevington slash Lark Lane overlord. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Uh, we are we are here to talk about transfers. Obviously, uh, later on in the show, we'll have a chat about players who maybe we would have been desperate to get rid of a few weeks ago, but maybe now we're not so desperate to get rid of because of circumstances. Uh, I'll also pick a transfer window from recent years and get the guys to try and guess the players. That came in in that window uh, as as we've done in the past. Uh, you've not done one of these before, Les, but um, Rob is not Can't great at it. Rob is Can't not great awesome. at it. So, no, so. I have a terrible memory. I think I'm just just going to say, in addition to getting like two, the two other blue room posts, you've probably got the two you know least about football. I reckon as a, <laughs> as a wider thing. I mean, that's a, if you want to take I a think dig at your very very Everton centric, aren't we? I would I'm say very. Very open about how little I know about football. <laughs> the, the, look, it's it's a pure testament to my to what I've been able to accomplish uh, in working my way up the ranks into a tier one blue room host. In that I have, I know I can't remember anything. I don't know anything about football at all. I mean, I love Everton, I guess, and it's miserable. But <laughs> I've managed to take that complete lack of knowledge about anything and i'm somehow hosting a show and, and, a, and a staple on the transfer show of all things it's amazing it's it is purely my emotional well, attachment to the window that keeps me on this show well you always say rob the kick about is a show about nothing very yeah. very seinfeld mostly. mostly i think you've i think you and diasha have really honed in on the seinfeld thing but yeah it's it is largely a, a show about it's it's a show about whatever I think is a better uh, way to to probably frame it. It's whatever we feel like that week. But yeah, it's kind of a show about nothing. If that makes it a, a little bit easier paradigm for everyone to understand. Sure. Right, we're getting a bit navel gaze here, so we'll, 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 uh, we'll move on. Um, the one, yeah, the one place you want to start, and obviously there's not been much in terms of transfer rumors apart from another Adrian Rabio set of rumors, another set of Alan rumors, and um, more defender stuff. So I thought we'd sort of look at something a little bit different today. And um, there's over the course of the last two or three weeks, there has been a succession of rumors linking. Very tentative, and a lot of Twitter discussions about former players coming back to, to the football club. And you, right. anyone who's a blues that's got active on social media, follows various accounts, will, will know who, who I mean, the players I mean. Um, and it's, I think it's just something that makes for an interesting point of discussion. Before we get to speaking about those players in particular, so the ones that I've seen quite frequently are Idrissa Gay, 
We all seen that one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Stones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gerard Delafeu over the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that one getting chatted about, and more recently, um, following the Guardian's report that Ross Barkley's essentially on his way out to Chelsea. Ross Barkley as well. So, uh, first and foremost, I want to ask you guys: if you had to pick one of those four to have back, who would who would you go for? So, Stones, Barkley, Delafeu, or Garner? I think I would take a punt on Delafeu. Really? I think he's, yeah, yeah. I, I think he. I think he's the one who's got poten- Well, the most potential still. Um, he's not necessarily a worse player than when he left us. Garner's I think he's definitely improved worse Yeah. So, but Garner's just that bit older. Um, uh, you know, Garner could go on the same for another five or six years. We don't know, but there is that risk that if that engine goes, that's a massive part of his game gone. And as you as you start getting to thirty two, thirty three. Um, that, that's when these things start to kick in and then injuries can, can pick up as well so I think although he's probably the best out of the lot I think I'll probably take a punt on Dale Lefeu and he's, he still has got that air of excitement about him hasn't he and I think he can run longer than half an hour now so <laughs> I think I, I think we've got, that's who we've I'd got go no for. other right wingers well apart from Theo Walcott he's the only mm. right winger in the squad isn't he you could say uh, Rob would you agree with that or no um, I don't want any of them back, really. And that's mainly... Well, so here's the thing. If I had to choose one, because I want to play along with the exercise, um, I probably <laughs> would... begrudgingly by the sounds well, of it. No, because... Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you first. In terms of the premise, like, we are... We fill on Everton Twitter. Uh, we fill the gap of the unknown with the fiction of the familiar and the fiction of the familiar is old you know players that it's it's very much the ex-girlfriend romantic syndrome where we have enough time has passed that we remember all the all the hot sex but we forget about all the anger and fights and complete debilitating uh you know relationship it's so it's so us it's on brand for us but um having said that i i think that uh, i will take the Rolls Royce if we're going to go down that road. And I'm going to take John Stones, mainly because he's 26 years old and plays in a, what I would consider one of the three quote premium positions on the field uh, in, in football. So that, that are hard to find. And, and also we have two healthy center halves. So I'm probably influenced by that, but for look, for those of you who've ever watched, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There's an episode called the gang recycles. It's trash. And that's what this feels like. We are, it is, it's an episode where they basically, they basically do the bits over. They do, they do some of the bits from previous seasons over again, because they've come up with a scheme where they decide to try and do the same ideas over again. But this time it's going to be different. They're going to tweak it a little bit and it's going to be different this time. It's going to work out. And of course it doesn't work out because there's a reason old ideas that have failed shouldn't get recycled because they they don't work and uh there's nothing that any of those are really going to do to move the needle and uh, surely kind of like the discussion about managers when people objected to bringing david moyes back the idea was you know surely there there are other men in an earth filled with six billion people or whatever that we could bring in other than david moyes for this job i feel the same about players there are other players out there than those that not only we have discarded but that we that that we have either lost 
uh, or we didn't discard stone. Okay, fine. We didn't discard stones, but you know what I mean? They moved on to other clubs and now those other clubs have discarded them. I'm, I, we've got to stop. We've got to get out of that practice of doing that. And the thing is about a guy like I'll take John stones as an example. If uh, John stones uh, it had never been at Everton and he was just a player being, you know, kind of let go by city that would fall very much into the kind of Theo Walcott uh, logic that we've always talked about of we don't would need you, to be getting those players anymore. <laughs> would you put him in that bracket now, Stones? I mean, he's younger, so maybe not quite the same bracket. But you know, look if 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 Man if City are letting go of a twenty six year old England international, um, I can't believe who, he's twenty six either. That's yeah, crazy. like he's twenty. He's still only twenty six, and if they want to move on from him at that point, it's sort of like. You know, like you have to ask questions as to why, and maybe, maybe we're not quite at the. I, I just don't get the sense that a guy who pouted his way out of Goodison is going to come back uh, on a new bumper deal and suddenly, you know, <laughs> suddenly just have all the motivation in the world. I just, I just don't buy it. The does, idea. Does that, go on, Lash, Sorry. I was going to say the idea of John Stones and Michael Keane playing together in a back four makes me glad that I will not be going back to the park end for probably about a year. I just, I can't, I can't even imagine what the atmosphere would be like, the tension in the park end. Oh, God, yeah. I, I think it, it's, it is interesting that. I, I, I don't know, if it, does any of this change when you've got Angelotti in charge or not? Or is it still, is it still very much the same structure and the same, the same thing of just coming back to a mid-table football club for these lads? It's, well, no... Ancelotti absolutely makes a difference. You you would like to think that having a great manager gives you a better chance to get the most out of any player, regardless of their situation. So I don't want to totally discount that. But um, there are times where I feel like there's too much water under a bridge, right? It's one thing if a player is let go as a youth at age 17 and then comes back to the club as a senior player later. Like, that's, that's very different than because let's be honest is isn't there too much history with guys like stones to a degree but ross barkley barkley absolutely i mean it's just i i just don't i don't think it's a it is a lose-lose situation for both the club and the player um i i would rather have i mean i would rather have kevin morales back than ross barkley and i say that because the only the major difference between Ross Barkley and Kevin Morales is that Morales, as frustrating as they both were, Morales actually put up numbers and Ross Barkley didn't. And I still like that's and and even and his numbers obviously are a testament to just how bad the decade of Everton was, of course. But we saw like Morales was like our second leading what goal, second or third leading goal and assist guy over a period of years. Like, mm. and that's and no one wants Kevin Morales back. So why why do we keep talking about bringing Ross Barkley back? Everyone likes the theory of him, but haven't we seen enough to know at this point that it's just not going to work here? And and I think that if he'd gone to Chelsea and really grown as a player, uh, a Chelsea wouldn't want to be letting him go, and b if he'd grown as a player, he wouldn't have he wouldn't be coming back here. So I, I think him coming back here only suggests that it's a soft landing spot, and I don't actually think this is a soft landing spot for him. Well, you said there, you said interesting there, Rob, in regards to why do we keep talking about Ross Barkley coming back? And so I want to throw this to Les, and then you jump on afterwards, Rob. Why, why do we keep doing it, Les? Why do, we, why do we keep having these conversations as a fan base? I mean, I remember when first starting on the Blue Room, one of the things we used to speak about almost, you know, on a 
twice yearly basis, even when there's no rumours about this, was possibly Wayne Rooney coming back to Everton. Mm-hmm. Obviously, eventually it happened, but that was sort of, you know, we weren't talking about it with a view of rumours circulating and simmering to a degree that these ones are now. We just thought, oh, it's an interesting concept, let's chat about it. Do you think we as, as Evertonians are overly sentimental when it comes to former players in that, mar- in that regard and maybe a bit more narrow-minded? Or do you just think this is something that every club does and every set of fan base I, does? I think it's been a thing with Everton since Howard, K- Howard Kendall came back for the second time. Came back for the first time. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, so when we got Kendall back from Man City, we, we then went through a process of trying to recapture what happened the first time round. So right. he signed a couple of players we had in the 80s. He signed Mark Ward, who I think was only a youth player in the 80s, but he signed him back, I think. He signed Alan Harper, came back. Um, he signed, but he, he, he started signing a couple of players that he'd already had and he knew. In some vain attempt to try and recapture what happened, what was only five years earlier, weirdly. That, that period between 1987 and 1992 seems a lot longer than five years <laughs> in, in history. Yeah. Um, but then we, we kind of kept doing that over the years. And I think we, we did get this sort of romanticised idea that if a player had, had been good or he'd been on the cusp of being good when we got rid of him, if we get him back, he's going to be brilliant. I mean, to a lesser degree, we did it with Pistoni. We did it with James McFadden. We've done it with quite a few players over the years. It's, and it's, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? it? It's I a mean, weird it, thing. It does, it, it's not something, you know, I was just thinking of examples there. You know, Rooney is, is the obvious one, but you've got Stephen Pienaar, McFadden, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of players that, we, that we've sort of done this with down the years. You know, and it, it doesn't really feel as though other clubs have done it anywhere near as much as us. And I don't, I don't know if that was just because... I don't know if that's... It's worth as well. Do you think that's yeah. not the case, Rob? Do you think other clubs do well, that as I, well? That's the thing. That's a good question. I, I was wondering that same thing this morning when I was reading a conversation um, on Twitter between... Uh, it was Dave Downey and Philip McNulty of, of BBC talking about this very subject and I was trying to think are we particularly sentimental or (laughs) another word for it would be delusional as a fan base about this whole notion of of this time it will work or or, you know trying to recapture the magic I mean that's the thing about recapturing magic Uh, magic in and of itself is incredibly rare the arrogance that it takes to think you can just easily recapture it is what what leads clubs down down bad paths because it, it becomes a it becomes the the Don Quixote sort of chase you know that that you're you're you're, you're deluding yourself into believing that you can recreate all of the particular ingredients that made something what it was and it's just it almost is never that easy and um you know I we had Pinar come back. He was okay when he came back, but he was never, it wasn't the same. Uh, It's McFadden. I mean, all I wanted when McFadden came back was just a replay of that Charlton goal over and over again, but you know, we were never going to get that. And so I I always go back to something I've said, Matt, that I know would be compelling to you. I've said this on this pod several times uh, to quote uh, the great Tony Soprano. Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. And that's why all this, all this is, and I extend this, by the way, to the re-signing of Wayne Rooney. It's the same thing. It's, it's just, you know, sometimes you're just doing it for the sake of nostalgia, but nostalgia really, as nice as nostalgia is, and God, I love nostalgia. I love nostalgia when it comes to music and movies and film. When it comes to sport, 
uh, nostalgia is not a, an effective means of moving forward because sport is about today and, and to a large degree about tomorrow. But it is, it is only about yesterday when you're talking history or you're doing a one year ago on this day thing on Twitter. Other than that, it doesn't actually move the needle forward. And that's what we have to divorce ourselves of as, as Evertonians. Just think, has it, has it ever worked? Not just the Everton. Are there any players who've gone back, you, you can think of that have gone back to a club, a previous club, and done well or as well? It's, Maybe it's Duncan really for us. Duncan for us. Oh yeah, post Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, but honestly, even Ferguson, like coming back, definitely delivered some moments. But it was altogether something different, wasn't it? He was a different yeah. person at that point. His his now granted i don't know nearly as much about his first spell but wasn't he relied upon more as as a a complimentary super sub type player in his second run as opposed to his first first appearance no he was still he was he could still he was still i don't mean less probably got better memories of that time me but the second spell for me he's still a force on occasion like yeah. he was a force on occasion before he, he left the football okay. club. I think I think the, probably the, the end of his first spell and the start of his second spell, there wasn't maybe much between them, Les. But obviously, okay. yeah. he got older, he, he, you know, his, his game changed and deteriorated quite a lot. Yeah, I think, I think first time round, he had his injury problems and his disciplinary problems and his seemingly couldn't be quite arsed problems. Um, <laughs> that he still had second time round. But yeah, he was, he was very much sort of, once he got in the side, he was, he was pretty integral to too, and he definitely sort of had a he had an air about him that he brought something onto the pitch other than himself. He brought an aura on the pitch that you could see clearly rattled um centre backs. I don't know was that was he the same the second time round? I have more trouble remembering the second time round because think, think, so, <laughs> think early on he was all, he was or I mean my memories as was very young at the time, but early on I think he was still quite decent. And then Moyes came in, he fell out of favour a bit, didn't he? And then he got Back yeah. up again. Then he obviously had a bit of a swan song in 2004 or five with some some mm. cameo appearances. But just the, the amount of plays that we've had back for second spells is just mm-hmm. just think about you know Alan Stubbs is another one comes to mind. David Unsworth, oh, yeah. Franny Jeffers, Franny Jeffers has been <laughs> back twice. You know Landon Donovan's had two spells here. Joe had two spells here. I I I, I bet you there's not another club in the Premier League that's had as many players back for two different spells as we have. There's got to be that. There's got to be uh, some statistician at Sky Sports who knows the answer to this. Yeah, man. I might ask get Matt onto that. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think yeah, that's a good question. Certainly, Everton in, in more recent years and where we are now, and certainly where we were under Moyes, I think we're probably quite an awkward club to come back to because if you certainly under Moyes, if you if you left Everton, you were a good player. You were going up to that level where you thought, right, I'm going to challenge for trophies regularly and I'm going to be part of a, a big side. It's like, it's, it's, it's like the dream move, isn't it? You know, like what people like Lescott have done when he went into Manchester City and won the league title. I imagine most players that left Everton to go up in that time period would have been with that sort of move in mind. And if that doesn't quite work out for you and you're coming back to Everton with a mid-table but not, not quite there... You, there's probably a, a situation there where you, your mindset changes a little bit and you're never going to have that same drive and that same ambition again where you can get to the, to the very top. Yeah, and I think that's what I keep coming back to with John Stones because to me, John Stones would be the closest thing to a flyer you would want to take because of his age, because of his skill set. And yet I'm haunted by that exact notion, which is, how can he have gone to a place like City and gotten to the mountaintop in terms of winning and, and those things and then 
it's, it's hard to, unless you have a ton of internal fortitude, you have that drive as an elite performing athlete. And I don't mean an elite athlete, but an elite performing athlete who, whose motivation is just that every day you want to prove that you're the best. Once you've won and made money, coming back to a club like Everton sort of feels like, I hate to even say it at the age of 26 or something like that, but for a lot of these players, coming back down to a, a different level club starts to feel like that your your kind of reward cruise, if you will, for for <laughs> you know what you've already accomplished. Uh, you know, again, and that's where to your point before, Matt, the the role of Ancelotti has to be so key here. Uh, if if he's sold on it, obviously that would would certainly suggest that maybe uh, we should give it more credence because we're certainly still in that period with Carl Ancelotti where if he believes it and he wants to do it, we're all pretty much on board with it. Um, but no matter who the manager is, that sort of, that sort of uh, a benefit of the doubt begins to wane after a period of time. And, and I think doubly so if you're bringing back a player who, you know, if they don't hit their ground running, immediately people start to say, well, see, he, come, he came back and he's just kind of fat and happy as a, as a high wage earner. And, and I just I, I think that there are other opportunities uh, out there. And, and frankly, if we're, if we're bringing – I know we always ask this, but if we brought, brought Marcel Brands in for anything, it was for new ideas, not recycling old mm. ideas. Yeah, that's a great show. So not just, just before you go there, there's another two players of fourth off, Manny Fernandez, Thomas Gravison. Oh, God, of course, yeah. I love Manny it's Fernandez mad, so much. Manny Fernandez, I've never <laughs> been more obsessed with the idea of a player than him at that time when he played for us. Just, I saw the, I was like, we didn't have anything like that in the squad. Uh, man, I was so, I was so mad when we couldn't make that deal permanent. I don't know if it's just because obviously we're all, you know, focusing on Everton and we, and we pick apart what Everton do more than anything else. But it, it seems to me now we need to, um, we need to sort of leverage the manager more because we've now got a manager who's probably got a bigger reputation than the, than the actual yeah. club. So I think any sort of transfer policies now need to leverage his name more than anything. You know, aside from coming to Everton, I think more players would be receptive to coming to play for um, Ancelotti. And it's, yeah. it's a bit of a depressing thought, really, but I think, it, I think it's something that the club really needs to do. So if yeah. we're looking at these names, like you're seeing us linked with, you know, ex-Napoli players. Now, you know, Napoli... Not on anyone, any universe, and Napoli, a bigger club than Everton. They're about the same size, potentially. Not a bigger club than Everton by any stretch. But to get those players away from Napoli to Everton, you would have to have the, the law of, of Ancelotti, I think. And I think that's, that, that's something the club needs to do. And it will take a bit of a more imaginative transfer policy. As you say, though, Rob, that's, that's what Brands has brought in to do. Yeah. So it's, well, sort of more, so it's sort of more like, come and play for Carlo Ancelotti, lads. By the way, he manages Everton. Don't, sure. but, you know, but, but don't worry about that. You know, just just come and play for this fella and work under this fella. It was this iconic figure. Never mind where you're going to be playing your footy and how good the, <laughs> exactly. how good, how, how good the team is. It, it's all about him. Yeah. Hey, we yeah. talk about this all the time. The players don't love Everton like we love Everton, right? So uh, they just don't. So I don't really care why they come to Everton. If it's because of Carlo Ancelotti, that's part of the reason you're paying him all this money is to be this mm. you know, this magnet, if you will, for, for players who, um, you know, who look up to him and revere him the way that they do. If we can, if, if I don't really care the reasons they choose to come to Everton, if, but Ancelotti ought to be one of those main selling points. And I'm totally fine with that. 
And again, it's, it's sort of when he when he took over, you sort of thought of those players who sort of weren't performing at the best, you'd hope that would give them the kick that they needed to think, right, I've got a real chance to work under a real manager now. Because, you know, make no bones about it, Ancelotti is the biggest manager the club's ever had, without a doubt. Well, and those else. players there now will not get to play for a manager of that calibre ever again. So you'd like to think, I don't think it's worked necessarily like that, but you'd like to think that it would you know, sort of give them that extra 10% maybe required to sort of pick up the career again, but. Uh-oh, I think we lost Matt. Matt's talking. Oh, yeah, sorry, I muted myself. I had, to go <laughs> shut, I had to go shut the door, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I was, I was yeah, saying- I had, to, it, I had to leave to kick the, kick the cat out, so. I was saying it was great segue again there, Les, because we're going to talk about that in a bit, and the players are still here. So, you know, the benefits of the benefits of having two hosts on. The benefits of having two hosts on. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break before our Zoom call runs out. And uh, we'll be back after this short break. We are back for part two of the Blue Room Transfer Pod. Uh, in the break, uh, Rob was having a nice chat with the BBC's chief football editor, Phil McNulty, on Twitter. So if you're listening, Phil, thanks very much for, for, for tuning in. Uh, good work, Rob. Well, I don't know that one one tweet and one reply constitutes a conversation, but for the sake of promotion, absolutely. My pl- close personal friend, BBC Chief Football oh. Correspondent Phil McNulty, uh, is absolutely uh, listening to the Blue Room right now. <laughs> I was going to say, you and him have a, a few little chats on Twitter, don't you? Yeah, Sometimes, well, yeah. a little less lately, but he's probably gotten tired of my, <laughs> my uh, quarantine subject matter uh, on Twitter, which has been me ma- mainly talking about non-Everton things. But, you know, he and I will get back he and i will get back into our groove again absolutely <laughs> absolutely make sure you get off for a beer with uh, rob when you get over next time uh, when he's over next time phil uh, it'll be well worth your time but uh <laughs> yeah uh, like i said we're gonna have a chat about players not going or maybe going um in the in the summer transfer window obviously you know we spoke last week on the show as well john philippe gabarman being injured mm. which rob is of a midfield option Jerry Mean is injured as well, which means that Mason Holgate can't step forward and play there. Rob is very sad, as everyone can, can see. Um, so midfield-wise, we are bare bones, really. And I, In an ideal world, Les, I think there's two or three players in that midfield area. Um, I know you've been really critical of Schneiderlin in the past. Um, Rob's been very critical of Tom Davis. Everyone's been quite critical of Gilfie Sigurdsson and Fabian Delph. But there's certainly two or three lads in that area of the pitch that most Blues would look at and go, get them out the door, you know, we need to reshape that area. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be easy to do that this summer because of financial constraints and other constraints as well. Do you sort of look at any of them that I've mentioned there and say that their everything career could be brought back to life a little bit or maybe not brought back to life, but brought, certainly in the case of someone like Delph, brought to life for the first time? You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I've said it before, I look at Gilfie Sigurdsson and he's got every attribute you need for a central midfielder but he just can't seem to do it whether it, whether it's sort of a, a conscious thing that he doesn't like playing there or he just can't get his head around a position but it baffles me and he, he's the one who would like to see sort of come good because he's got you know he's got the range of passion he's got the shooting he can run all game he's not he's not particularly fast but I'd say as a central midfielder you don't necessarily have to be um, Morgan Schneiderlin I give him stick all the time. He has, what, maybe one good game in six. And you kind of think, well, if you could do that consistently, he'd be a great player. But I think he's the one who'd, who'd fit, fit in well next to Gomez. I think they'd be the best partnership if both players were performing well. But 
as I said in the first part, it's sort of you, you like to look at these players and you'd like to think that working for Ancelotti will give them a bit more of an incentive. I think, right, if I can if I can cement my place in this side now, I'm going to be working under one of the best managers in world football, you know, for the season or two to come. But I don't know, the attitude doesn't seem to be there from them, does it? Or there's something there's something lacking, which again could come back to Evan, and that's the reason they're at the club because there is that something lacking that they've not got what it takes to to be consistently a good player. Um, but yeah, I think out of any of them, sort of the, the mainstays in the midfield, I'd like to see Sigurdsson sort of turn things around. Can't see it, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that, I think. If I can, you know, if I can do the uh, armchair psychology that com- that is completely comes from an, a place of total lack of education, but I'm just going to speculate wildly anyway. Um, <laughs> It's funny we talk about this a lot, maybe in the broader terms of personality or leadership issues for the whole squad, but I was just thinking about midfield. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot of, there's always that discussion. I was thinking about this when we were wa- when I was watching The Last Dance, Matt, which I know you watched that doc. Mm-hmm. I think, Les, you may have started it. I'm not sure if yeah. you ever finished it. But um, one of the things about Jordan was that uh, Jordan was an alpha personality, you know, a very, like he was the, the top dog. He wanted the ball. He wanted to be there in big moments. He wanted control, you know, all those things. Now, granted, you don't, you don't expect that players will be as good as Jordan, obviously, but um, alpha does represent more of this idea in sports of a personality type, you know, someone who, it, to, to, to Les's point about Guilty Sigurdsson, um, there are guys like that, or Morgan Schneiderlin, I think, falls into this to a degree. Guys that are technically gifted seem to have all of these attributes, and then we keep asking why of over extended periods of time. Why? Why can't they do it? What is it that's stopping them? And there's, I feel like we just we don't have any alphas in midfield. We don't have any guys that just you know, have, an, have uh, an almost an angry, ferocious hunger for the ball and to be in charge and to be in control um, that, are, that are worth a damn. I mean, you could argue, I suppose, that, that Delph, Delph, Delph talks a lot and he's loud, but I don't know that he's necessary. I mean, I guess he may be an alpha personality, but he's, in a, he's not in the – he doesn't have the skill set. not an alpha footballer. Set. No, certainly yeah. not. Whereas – Whereas if I could put some of that ferocity and, and again, Gomez is Gomez. You could put him on the, uh, the straddling that line. We think of him as a nice guy, but he can be pretty surly on the pitch. I'd like to see if Gomez uh, given more time after his recovery, maybe he can get some of that back uh, might be our best hope for that. But a big part of any discussions around midfielders that, that we want to bring in always seems to start with the idea of filling the Gilfy Sigurdsson shaped hole in midfield that is lacking not because of technical ability, but because of the fact that we talk all the time about how Gilfie Sigurdsson disappears. He doesn't seem to want the ball in big moments. He doesn't seem to, he, he seems to be opportunistic at times, but, but that is not a recipe for consistency of influence in, in the course of a game on a regular basis. And so I think, I like I we're think missing that. We're missing that urgency, that aggression, whatever you want to call it. I think some of those, I think some people, Robbie, have been critical of Sigurdsson for a while before this season would say he's never been a player that's wanted the ball but he's always been someone you, you could rely on to have moments in, in football matches whether that be a, 
you know, a shot from long range like we saw against West Ham, which has been, you know, his only real positive moment from, from this campaign. When you're going back to last season and you're thinking about the goal against Fulham, um, with his left foot, you're thinking about the goal at Leicester away to, to win us the game that day. Um, he, he's always someone who, who'd, I wouldn't say he was a clutch player, but he produced moments that were capable of deciding football matches. And that has been his forte for, for a long time. And I, I, I don't know how a player goes from having that in them, in the peak years of the career, certainly, to suddenly not having it in them, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just something behind the scenes or something little. It, it, there's not this confidence, but he doesn't really even seem to be trying those things anymore now. You know, he's, he, you know, he's famously not scored a free kick for this football club yet, having previously been one of the best set-piece players in, in European football before he came to Everton. And I, I don't know how that gets knocked out of somebody suddenly. I think his legs have maybe gone a little bit, I think the system that we played at times this season hasn't suited him with the four four two certainly. But let's not forget, he was given a massive run at the start of the season, playing behind the centre mm. forward in in his best position. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and I'm I'm ready to move on past the whole. I want I want us to graduate from the best position discussions being as prevalent as they've been, just because what those discussions have revealed to us is just how one dimensional so many of our players seem to be. Um, Guilty Sigurdsson, there are players like Sigurdsson or, or, you know, when we had the three number tens or, or Lookman or what, like they've been these constant conversations about how we could figure out what position, what system, what air temperature, what wind speed, uh, what circumstance with the crowd would would facilitate them finally reaching their potential on some kind of consistent basis. And and I'm tired of that. I, I, I think mm. that Guilty Sigurdsson, to your point, Matt, um, is a player who I remember when he arrived, I all I expected out of him, you know, he was, a, again, he was a captain at, at Swansea. So, of course, I got suckered into thinking he was a leader. But all I really wanted was exactly what you described, which was moments. I wanted him to score free kicks. I wanted him to have those game-changing moments. Um, I could forgive him being this kind of stoic Icelander, ice, you know, uh, ice, Icelander, Icelandic. Icelandic, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Icelandic, <laughs> sure. Uh, whatever I could you call him anything you want if he was scoring double digit goals like he used to I think that's the problem is when you look at a player like Gilfie Sigurdsson uh, his utility his value to you is scoring goals because he's not going to necessarily be the uh, volume passer that a lot that you really want out of out of a an influential central midfielder so you say well He's not that, but he gives us double-digit goals in a season. When that disappears, as I've asked several times, what is left? And what is left, and I hate to say he doesn't try because he tries in terms of of the the effort of running for sure. But to your point, it could be a lack of confidence. It could be a systemic issue. But he doesn't seem to try those shots as much anymore. That could be about confidence. It could be about a variety of things. But, But again, there's just too many unanswered questions, open holes, whatever you want to call them in his game for a guy who's making as much money as he is that we paid that much for. Um, that's, I, I'm, I'm just at the point where I don't see the value anymore, regardless of the skill set we may know he possesses. Um, do you suppose the other midfielder we haven't really spoken about in all this, Les, is, uh, is Fabian Delph. I mean, we mentioned him typically, you know, briefly there in terms of his personality and, you know, I've seen a few articles and a few chats on Twitter say, you know, this is sort of a, 
a great opportunity for him to, you know, put his mark down on the team over these next few games. And I sort of look at it and think, I don't know if, don't know if it is really, because he's not really used to playing games in bunches because he's been injury prone. You know, he's not really yeah. got a, he's not got a, a reliable partner. He's not particularly, I mean, maybe the, the thing with the with supporters might help him a little bit because he's going to be behind closed doors. But I certainly don't look at this, this spell of games coming up and think, you know, if there's anyone who's going to play all nine of our remaining fixtures in a short space of time and be a, you know, a, a gritty presence in midfield and a dependable presence in midfield. I don't look at him and think he's really physically capable of doing it, never mind technically or temperamentally. No, I'm, I'm really not sure what he does. To be honest, he's sort of, he's kind of like an older, narky version of Tom Davis, isn't he? He sort of, there's no real quality you can look at and think, yeah, that's, that's what he does and that's yeah. what he's good at, that's what he'll bring to the team. He, he kind of does a bit of everything and nothing all at once. So I can't see, I can't see how he'd be the answer. I don't know what the question is if he's the answer. Um, but yeah, as you say, it, these games are going to be played in quick succession. I think we're going to see, I'm talking like a physio here, like I know what I'm talking about, but I would expect to see a lot of injuries piling up over the next, the yeah. first few weeks of this football coming back. Because we've not had proper yeah. training. Well, yeah, exactly. So I, I think across the board, you're probably going to see players getting injured. And if he manages to escape injury, it'll be some sort of minor miracle that he's not been able to do in, what, 10 years of playing football now? Um, again, that same, you know, what exactly does he bring to the team? He's not even imposing physically like you said he's he doesn't bring that does he and I don't think we've got anyone like that in midfield and that's that's what we need we, we need someone with a bit of aggression now Andre Gomez as Rob alluded to he has got that aggression he can be a bit of a knock on the pitch but he's not it's not the sort of aggression we need Morgan Snyderland's the same he, he can be usually at the wrong moment when he wants to get sent off because he can't be bothered with the game anymore that's when the aggression comes out but he looks more of a presence, I think. Although he's only he's he's tall, he's quite wiry. But I think he looks more of a presence than than Delft does. Um, so as I say, yeah, I think I would go if it came down to it. I think I'd have to go with Snyder and Gomez. But yeah. it's not ideal, and I can't really see where Delft slots in unless he's you know a bit par player. Yeah. Well, and uh, the other thing I'd add to, I want to qualify one thing I said about Andre Gomez. I, I think he's got it in him. I still own stock in Andre Gomez, if you will, but I. Uh, I know it's been inconsistent, but some of that has been because of the circumstances and Marco Silva and whatever he's trying to do and obviously overworking him in his first season at the club uh, in that that spell during December, especially uh, uh, when Tom Davis couldn't couldn't see the pitch at all, which I think was really damning of him, obviously. But Andre Gomez is coming back from an injury. I, I still view all of this season back for him as, as, a, as essentially a bonus or a write-off, but I think if if there is an opportunity for anyone to begin to build some momentum going the next season and prove that he's a crucial player, it is him. Um, and to Les's earlier point about Schneiderlin, I think I think he's maybe he's good one out of every six games, but I think he's average. I think he was on a decent run where he was at least average for maybe you know three out of every four games. Like he wasn't just awful, and you know you want more out of him, but you'll take less if if that makes sense right now, just because you're trying to get by. But the fact that that's how low low the bar is right now and how we have very little appetite for any of the options behind them speaks to just how bad the the central midfield situation is at the club. I, I think it is it needs a complete rethink and a complete overhaul. Uh, not Well, maybe not complete. I, I do want to stick with Gomez to a degree, but I, I think it, it obviously needs some new ideas. 
Well, I mean, suppose we're, the frustrating thing is we're not we're not going to be able to do that, are we? Just it's going to be impossible for a long time. You know, there are you know, a lot of these lads are tied down on big contracts. A lot of them won't want to move. A lot of clubs won't want to pay the money necessary to get them off the books. It's it's going to be. Still really think difficult. we'll get one in, don't you? I, I mean, I know that that things are difficult, and we're not going to have a big you know six signing summer, but. I do think we'll still sign one or two, and if and if well, both well, what, of them were sent, like if one of if one of those has to be a central midfielder, and one of them has to be a center half, and it's not really. I think everyone knows that, right? And maybe we don't we don't sign anyone, then that's obviously worrying. But I, I would think that we did get at least one central midfielder in the summer. I think I think for me the dif- the difficulty the manager's got is that the four in midfield, well the two in the middle of midfield isn't working, but the two up front is. So that right. two up front, because it's working so well, he needs to keep that. So do you think there's any, you know, anything in the fact that maybe he should just change what's behind those front two? Three, so five, not play two four, or four, something four. like that. Yeah, yeah, play it yeah. to play a different system somewhere. Maybe if it is five or three at the back, or whether it's, I don't know, four, two, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I suppose the issue we've got there, Les, is we've got, we haven't got three centre-backs to play. Yeah, I was going to say. We're back three. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I suppose, yeah. Um, no. God, Gabam, the, the Gabamin thing just hurts so much more. I mean, it, mm. it, it's he would have he would have provided depth at two positions, possibly competed for a starting role in midfield. It's just, and again, I I hate that he that he has almost become a punchline because it's not fair. It's just, I I feel bad for him, but it just speaks to the fact that you know we we haven't signed great you know we haven't done well enough in our recruitment but then when we seem to have signed someone who had it was consistently fit and all these things then he comes at Everton and it falls apart there but but yeah like not having him to, to that to that point Matt makes uh, not having uh, a healthy yeah and Yuri Mina according to Patty uh, I know in his reporting for the athletic and what we've talked about offline is that the club seems the club or and at least the, the player Yuri Mina that they seem a little more um positive or or optimistic about the injury being a little shorter than first reported we'll see I don't want you know, I mean a rush back I don't want any player rush back and that's the thing too is that as we talk about as let's talk about injuries and the opportunities that they may present um I, I don't I think we also have to realize that that this is still relative unless we make a real push up for a European spot which I don't know maybe I guess mathematically still very feasible hmm. it, it does sort of feel like this is a relatively meaningless run-in um, so I don't want to push any player to come back too early in in any way that could result in harm for next season which who knows when next season even starts, but I, I don't want any long-term issues with, with Yari Mina. I think you, you've got to watch out for your foundational players and, and be really careful about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just uh, quickly on the midfield, is Beningham still injured? I think so, yeah. I think, yeah. Think he, I think he's had surgery recently, didn't he? Right. I think, well, the, it, actually, there's not oh, really any other young players coming through, is there, in that position? On the fringes now. I was just reading about Beningame. Uh, Patty actually wrote. I see Patty's probably listening to this and just absolutely oh. at his at his headphones. <laughs> oh, but you uh, sound no, he, off then, yeah. 
Oh, my sound cut off. Am I still here? Okay. Uh, no, Patty, Patty wrote a thing about, uh, he wrote this article that came out yesterday about the four young Everton players that have a chance to get their break, especially uh, with the expanded, we're going to have a five, five sub rule, um, mm-hmm. which I, I hope that does not become a permanent thing, but let's just say that it's going to present a certain opportunity. Um, you know, it sounds like, um, it sounds like he may have, um, it, it sounds like he has recovered from the injury based on the reading of this, uh, that he may have a, an opportunity to compete a little bit uh, in this short run. And uh, obviously he's been trying to kind of rebuild his career after the health issues and the loan spell. It didn't go great. But um, I also hear a lot about the, the other, the other one highlighted in there as well as the, and I always get the pronunciation wrong, Dennis uh, Adeniran. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense of midfielder, yeah. Yeah, and he plays on the right a little bit too, but they view him more as a central midfield option. I mean, th- look, I I know everyone says, well, I I, I want to address this at some point too, as we talk about transfers. We are we are ultimately talking about development. We are talking about building a squad, and I, I've been beating this this drum for years, Matt. Whenever we're at these points in the season where there's an opportunity. I don't understand the the kind of pearl clutching and the the very over what I feel is an overly cautious approach about playing young players. I feel like they need they need to get experience in games at the Premier League level, um, and if you can do it in games that don't necessarily matter. And again, they all matter, but you know what I mean. Like we're not, yeah. we're we're not competing for top four. We're not, yeah. You know, this is not a. We're not playing them in the semifinal of a cup match. Like I, I sort of feel like this is the time to give those guys some experience. Uh, it's good for their development, and it is frankly good to see if there's anything, if they've got anything. So I will be very disappointed uh, if I don't see. Um, you know, Carl Ancelotti find some creative ways to deploy Anthony Gordon or. Or, uh, you know, even try out some of these central midfielders just as like, do I and I asked this question before, do we uh, weeks ago when we were talking about the project restart stuff, do we really have anything new to learn about Everton? And the answer is no, unless and, and what I mean by that is I don't feel like I have anything new to learn about Tom Davis in the last, you know, eight games or whatever. But I do feel like I potentially have something to learn about Benny Benigni or Dennis Adeniran or whomever. I think that that's like get get crazy with it. Why not? Like let's mm. see some of those guys get maybe not starts, but get some meaningful playing time just to see what you've got. If you've got five, a five sub rule, you might as well take advantage of it and give some players uh, some much needed minutes that could be a huge boost to their confidence uh, or at least potentially to their development. And by the way, a player, a young player struggling in a scenario like that is not necessarily the worst thing in the world because a lot of great lessons in sport are learned through struggle. And, and I think them understanding what their level is in the Premier League will help their development even if they struggle a bit. I don't think that they're as fragile. I think we all view every young young player under the kind of Ross Barkley mental fragility thing of, well, we don't want to ruin him. We don't want to ruin this player. And I, I think we've got to get over that. Like Tom Davis is not, not poor because he is, he's not strong mentally. He's, I think he's very strong mentally. He's just kind of an average football player. Um, I think that these other players need to be given an opportunity to show what they've got. And I think that, that this is an ideal time to start doing it. Yeah. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things without no crowds there. Yeah, make mm. things a lot more entertaining. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be as unforgiving as going into a raucous Goodison Park, would it, or or something like that for these lads. So yeah, central yeah. silver line into to this cloud. Uh, finish off then. I have picked the summer. Uh, Rob, I reckon you might struggle with this one. I've gone some early two thousands. So this is the summer of 
2003. Uh, before I give any clues, can you remember any players from that summer, Les, that we signed? So, was that Moyes' first season? First, oh. no, it's the second season. So, did he join halfway through 2003? Yeah, oh, okay. no, yeah. so put, Moyes arrived in 2002, March 2002. Okay. So, this is the 2003-2004 season. So uh, I didn't he, start following him till 0405, but I so, think didn't, didn't, Cah- didn't Cahill come in 03? No, he was the year after. He was the year after. Oh, damn it. Okay. So so uh, I'll give you some clues then. The players that we signed. Marcus so Spence. Put, no, he was the year after as well. So Ro- this this was Rooney's last season. <laughs> this was Rooney's okay. last season. Okay. So the, the clubs we signed players from um, were Marseille, Motherwell, Sunderland, Leeds. Oh. El Ali, I don't remember that one at all, and Sterling. So McFadden, McFadden was Motherwell. Yeah, I knew yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, McFadden was Motherwell. Um, Sunderland. So, I'm so bad at this. Made some, made some decent long-term signings in this summer. So, sent, the most expensive signings was centre-back from Marseille. Centre-back from Marseille. You know, Joseph Yobo, yeah. Yobo, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, Do you know what? I never knew we got him from Marseille. Well, he was on loan, wasn't he, the season before? Sorry. And then we joined. Les, oh, hey, hey, Les, it's like Joseph Yobo was with us all along. It's like he was <laughs> part of everything. <laughs> um, so we've got Sunderland, Leeds, El Ali. I don't remember this lad ever playing for us, to be fair. And uh, Sterling. And Arsenal as well. Player we've already mentioned this year. Jeffers. Jeffers, yeah. The, the return. Yeah. God, what a lineup that is. James McFadden, Franny Jeffers, and Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Well, we, signed, oh, we, signed a lot, we signed a lot of these players on the last day of the window, I remember. Do you know what the El Alley thing rings a bell? I can't for the life of me think who it is. I don't think he ever played a game for the club. No idea. Right, so the, the the goalkeeper in the so the goalkeeper from Leeds should get that one. Oh, Nigel Martin. Yeah, Nigel Martin. Yeah, and Sunderland yeah, yeah. should get that one as well. Winger. Kevin Kilban, yeah. There'll be people sc- yeah. people uh, screaming at the, the the phones there. Listen to that. Uh, so yeah, Yobo McFadden. Kilbarn, Nigel Martin, uh, the two more, Sterling, was, goalkeeper. Was Rodrigo one of them? No, he wasn't one of them. So we had a goalkeeper from Sterling and a... Oh! A goalkeeper from Sterling. Hmm. Again, this is, a year, this, is a, this is a year before me. That's it. Let's it, it. Ian Turner. And the centre-back, oh. the Egyptian centre-back. <laughs> okay. Ibrahim Arim. Saeed. Oh, of course, yeah. Of course, oh, yeah. Obvi- obvi- of course. Obviously. <laughs> no, I obviously. Remember, yeah, no, I remember the name. I, assumed, I, knew, I knew when you said Al Ali, I, I remember the sign of play from a really mad sound of club. And then, yeah. Remember the, of, remember the name. Remember Ibrahim the name, Ibrahim Saeed. Oh, man. <laughs> of course, says Leslie. I love it. Yeah. Our uh, <laughs> most high profile departure that summer was Mark Pembridge. He went to Fulham. The 675,000. I feel like Mark Pembridge is one of the ultimate Dave Downey players. That's the, one of the ultimate Dave Downey names. I feel like I've heard yeah. that name uh, from him several times. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, man. 
Wonderful great stuff. Days. Anyway, yeah, great stuff indeed. Uh, thanks very much to the Lars and to Rob. That's been your transfer show. Um, Kickabout and Mailbag coming up later this week as well, so check them out. I think I'm on both of them. Yeah, are you gonna join uh, Mos- are you gonna join Mosey and me for uh, Wednesday yeah, night? Yeah, so oh, you're gonna have, you're gonna have late night kickabout. Overload, overload yeah. of on that one. Yeah, but, a preview. Uh, we we will have uh, Mark Mosey and Matt Jones joining me for kickabout. Uh, we're gonna record Wednesday evening, so I don't I cannot uh, vouch for how uh, sober or not sober the two gentlemen with me will well, be. Mark will have been in work at a pharmacy store day, so hopefully. Um, he's on, on the drugs farm, is what you're saying farms. so I mean hopefully you'll be sober <laughs> given the, the fact that you've been serving people at this crucial time of a national health crisis but yeah. you know well, you never know with Mosey Mosey's a you know he's his own he's his own man he's a wild card you just never know with him <laughs> absolutely so yeah look out for them as well um, thanks very much lots for joining me and um, we'll speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.